This is The Bouquet Toss, a wedding planning podcast brought to you by TheBudgetSavvyBride.com to help you decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Welcome to season four of The Bouquet Toss. This season, we'll be walking you through the process of wedding planning from start to finish. Each week, we'll discuss a step in the process and share ideas and things to think about as you make your wedding planning decisions. We're kicking things off by tackling a crucial first step, defining the vision for your wedding day. In order to plan a wedding that feels authentic to you, you'll want to get clear on what matters, set your priorities, and do a little bit of dreaming about what you envision for your special day. Getting a clear picture of what you want your wedding day to not only look like, but feel like is key. So let's dive into how you can find your definition of your dream day. I love concentrating on what it feels like. I think like really getting in touch with like all the senses, what you see, feel, touch, taste. That's one of the Budget Savvy Bride signature tips that we'll get into a little bit deeper into this episode. But just have that in mind as you're thinking about this. Vision doesn't just refer to what you're going to see on the day. And one thing I want you to unpack for us, Jess, is your vision isn't necessarily a theme. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so your vision doesn't have to be a theme. You don't have to worry about picking out some very specific theme. Like you don't have to have a Bridgerton-themed wedding. But the things that we're going to talk about today, like the five senses of wedding planning and what I consider the big five of defining your vision for your wedding uh, will help you create an overall vibe that includes an aesthetic and how you want to feel and who's there and all of those elements that make up your day. If there is something in your mind that's like a really strong theme idea for you, that could be really helpful because that can just streamline all of your decisions from the start. But you definitely don't have to feel like there's a theme that does not have to be the first step. Let's go into talk about the five senses on your wedding day. Yeah. So like taking into account the five senses that, you know, you experience at all times, you know, see, hear, smell, touch, taste. Think about what do you want to see on your wedding day? It can include the venue where you're planning to hold your celebration. What kind of background do you envision for that ceremony? What kind of setting do you envision your reception? Are you picturing something big and elaborate and like a big raucous party? Or do you envision something smaller with just, you know, your closest family and friends? Yeah, I mean, it's such a good point. It's not just what you see, it's also who you see. And that's such a big deciding factor for ultimately what size or even where the venue will be. You know, there's so many things that play into what you're going to see, not just like in terms of decor or setting, but also like who's around you, who's there. And your partner's version of this is equally as important, right? So it's kind of cool to think of doing like an exercise together where you can kind of close your eyes. You just like try to imagine being at your wedding, like go through all the senses and like try to make it come to life. But if you did close your eyes, what do you smell? Are you in a garden? Is there nature around you? Or are you in like a catering hall? It could even affect what perfume you end up wearing or like, you know, yeah. what, what makeup you use and what goes in your hair, like all of those things 
have a smell that can put you in a certain state of mind. Absolutely. It's actually becoming a bit of a trend for couples to even like scent their wedding. Um, <gasps> what? Tell me more. I can't remember the name of the company. I'd have to look it up, but it's not like a fog machine, but it's like a scent machine or, you know, having like diffusers or things like that to spread a certain like aroma through your venue or your wedding location, just to kind of heighten that experience. When you smell a very distinct, like lovely smell, it triggers memory. It's a, just a cool concept to think about for a wedding. That's so cool. Definitely something to include. I feel like a lot of people just will equate smell initially to like wedding cake or like frosting. <laughs> and like a lot of the bridal subscription boxes, they'll put a candle in that's like vanilla scented because it's like cake, you know? Yeah. Wedding cake icing. <laughs> yes. Like wedding cake icing. But there is so much more. And like even with flowers, like flowers have a distinct smell. So do you think you're going to be smelling like fresh florals? Or is that not something you envision? Because if it's not, maybe that's one of the ways that you save and you go faux. Yeah, exactly. Or if you do go faux, then you can maybe scent your wedding some other way to mimic the smell of fresh florals. So there's definitely options. Yeah. So don't forget your nose when you're planning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we did see, smell, let's do here. Yeah. So obviously that could include, you know, the music playing at your ceremony, at your reception. Do you want those sounds to be upbeat? Do you want them to be more mellow? You know, a lot of that is going to depend on like you and your partner's musical tastes and personalities. Yeah. I mean, do you want to hear people laughing and drinking and being merry and having a good time? Do you more so hear people having intimate conversations? And even not to get touchy, but certain people's voices, like maybe you don't want to hear those people's voices <laughs> on your wedding day. And maybe that affects the size and who gets invited and ultimately what, you know, like. I'm just picturing loud, annoying, super thick accent, Aunt Karen, you know, like, be like, yeah. I want Aunt Karen seated as far away from me as possible. You know, seriously, I mean, there you go. Now you made your seating plan because you figured out who you don't want to have to hear. <laughs> or to brighten this up, maybe you do really feel like you want to hear your group of friends together laughing. And so that might help you make the decision that you do actually want a bridal party or mm -hmm. you do actually want to have an actual ceremony rather than just do a courthouse situation. All of those things help you figure it out. So what about taste? I mean, food is a big part of life in general. I don't know about you, but for me. <laughs> uh, <well>. um, <laughs> yeah, so the things that you want to serve for your wedding day meal, you know, your reception, obviously your dessert, if you want to have a wedding cake versus something else. Your appetizers, yeah. your hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Well, and also like not forgetting the pre-wedding event, you know, prep time. What are you going to eat the morning of your wedding while you're getting ready with your bridesmaids? Things like that are all super important to kind of like consider. And, and those things I think tend to get overlooked until kind of the last minute. <laughs> Definitely. But then also drinks. This is, I think, such a big way to help you decide like, you know, that big decision, is it just beer and wine? Is it completely dry? Or is it like a full bar? A lot of that decision definitely, you know, you take into account what your guests would probably want to be tasting, drinking. 
But for you personally, do you imagine having a champagne toast? Like, is that a thing that feels like part of your wedding dream? Figure out how you budget for that. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's such a big focus of the reception for a lot of people and also a big portion of the expense, to be honest, feeding and watering is what I want to say. They're not plants, but like feeding and watering your guests. So, you know, definitely a huge, a huge thing to consider. So last but not least, touch. The first thing that comes to mind for me, because I'm like very finicky with like fabrics being itchy. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is like not wearing a dress that is uncomfortable and like that you on your skin or like don't feel like yourself in and feel like it'll be hard to go to the bathroom. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can make a big impact on how you physically feel in your body on your day. Like you said, you know, makes you want to be in like your power pose stance. You know what I mean? Like you want to feel like your most confident, your most relaxed, best version of yourself. And part of that, I think, is feeling comfortable in what you're wearing. So yeah, I love that. And then I think also like the actual stuff that you'll touch, like you'll interact with your cutlery, with your plates, with your cups. And it might be that you're like, ah, it's not really a big part of like what I'm worried about. We could probably go like the most environmentally friendly option. Maybe it's the cheapest option monetarily. And that's something that won't really play in. But then on the other hand, you might actually be like, you know, like I want to be able to hold like a hefty, nice champagne flute. And you can think, you know, like if that's what you want, maybe just for the couple, you have something like that for yourselves to use. But then do you think for the rest of your guests, maybe you don't need that? Or maybe you do want that. What are your guests going to feel? What are your guests going to touch? Absolutely. Yeah, those those are the little things too. Savvy weddings don't just end on the happy day. The best way to get the most out of your wedding items is to make money back on them. That's why we are such big fans of Wedzy, the smart marketplace for buying and selling wedding items. With their easy to use platform, you can snap a picture, describe your item, and start selling in under five minutes. Declutter your house by helping other brides and grooms craft their dream day. You can sell everything on Wedzy from your wedding gown to jewelry, favors, flowers, centerpieces, cake toppers, ceremony decor, and more. Why let these items collect dust when you can make your money back? Ready to start selling? Listing your products on Wedzy is always 100% free. Use the special link in this episode's show notes to start selling your wedding items on Wedzy today. So we've gone through all five senses now, but we've got another framework here with the number five. And it's a Jessica original, big five. <laughs> of wedding planning. <laughs> Can you talk us through these? Yeah. So, and this is all kind of covered in the book, The Budget Savvy Wedding Planner and Organizer. Shameless plug. If you don't have a copy, pick one up. It's less than 10 bucks on Amazon. But what I consider the big five of wedding planning in terms of setting your framework and vision is the size, the setting, the style, the vibe, and the timeline. So when I say these things, obviously size, it, it's the size of your guest count, right? It, it's going to really make a big impact. And oh, and to be clear, these big five are the things that most directly impact your budget. So that's ah. a very, a very important distinction to make. The size of your wedding is going to have 
one of the biggest impacts on your budget because the larger your guest list, the more you have to make whatever your budget is stretch. So the smaller and more intimate you keep it, the nicer of an experience you can afford to give that group of guests. Next is setting, which is obviously like your venue, the location physically where you're going to have your ceremony and reception. Maybe it's one setting where you have everything. Maybe it's two separate settings. If you're having a wedding at a church and a reception at another location, setting in that sense when it comes to venue is a huge part of what impacts your budget. There's such a wide variety and gamut of venues out there, different situations, rental fees, and things like that, that you have to consider. So it makes one of the biggest impacts on on your budget. Also, I like that you pointed out that there's so many options because there could be a setting that you envision and maybe it's because of the way that like nature is involved. It's a naturally beautiful thing, maybe, you know, but it could come from like you saw it in someone else's pictures and it happens to be a venue that's maybe a little bit out of your budget. So you can work with that still to figure out like what is the version of that that is within your budget. I think the biggest thing we like to drive home is don't sacrifice the things that you really want because you think that there's a price tag that you can't make work. Oftentimes there's a way, and maybe it does get to, you know, it is a little give and take, but there's oftentimes a way if you're creative enough, if you start early enough, and if you're like really doing the research that you can make something satisfy your vision, have it like satisfy all of those, you know, senses, but it's maybe just like slightly different than the example that you saw on TV or on Instagram or whatever it is. And you can make that work for the budget that you really do have. Absolutely. It's so important to be open to alternatives and things that are not traditional as a way to save money and to make your wedding feel really special and unique as well. So next on the list of the big five is style. You know, if you're thinking like backyard, low key, uh, like boho kind of style, I mean, you can do that on a very tight budget, or you can have the over the top, you know, spectacle version of boho. But obviously, there are also, you know, styles that we might think of like very glam, like very luxe glam, sparkly, glitzy, right? That maybe requires more of like a hotel ballroom type of situation or like a modern art gallery style venue, something like that. Um, I think style can really impact a lot when it comes to the decisions that you're making in terms of rentals and decor and venue and things like that. You know, even for anybody who's done any sort of research on what it costs to rent chairs from a rental company, like the different styles of chairs can cost you very different amounts of money, depending on like the look you're going for. So that's something that I think is interesting and good to keep in mind. It's also good to remember that there's an overall style that you could be wanting to achieve, but you can sub out some of the details to make it more affordable. So like the chairs is a great example. You might have this really clear vision of the style that you want, but the chairs that are more traditionally for that style are out of your budget range. If you use chairs that still go with it, but are not quite authentically that style, but something else, you know, your decor really leans into the style or like the colors that you're using leans into the style. You don't really have to worry about the one aspect being off. And I think 
with style, there can be this feeling that you have to kind of categorize everything into like one thing. And sometimes that's hard to do. Maybe you have a glam feel for your tire, but more of a boho feel for your flowers. There's ways to kind of not pinpoint your like pigeonhole into one thing um, that actually could end up making your day feel even like more unique and special to you. Yeah, for sure. I love the concept of mixing and matching and also just the contrast of like high low. Like I think about that in like a fashion sense. I can't remember like one of those like reality shows about style from like TLC in the 90s. They like kind of introduced that concept, at least to me, (laughs) of like mixing, you know, like one high end piece that's like a statement piece, like a really nice blazer with like your jeans from Old Navy or whatever. But like Uh you can apply that same concept to the wedding style. I love that. Instead of the really high end blazer, maybe you have this really beautiful centerpiece that you got professionally made that you love, but like the rest of the stuff on your table could be tea lights that like you literally get from dollar store or something like that. And putting it together to like make the vision come to life is it, like it does work. You can, you can do it that way. Yeah. And so much of it, as we, we, you know, talk about so much on this show is about prioritizing what's most important to you. So maybe that's like splurging on a fancy pair of shoes and getting a used wedding dress or getting like a low cost wedding dress, because maybe you're going to keep those shoes and wear them over and over again. So, you know, it's all, it's all good to keep in mind. And I love that concept of high, low and and mix and match uh, when it comes to the wedding. Mm. Cool. So what about vibe? How is style different from vibe? Vibe to me is more of like the feels, right? Like, and I do think it plays more into the intimate versus large or the low key versus really high energy type of feel, you know, because I know a lot of us these days, maybe you, you can relate, feel anxious, a lot. <laughs> Maybe you're struggling with a little anxiety. Um, like what many gave of it us away? Are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it really kind of depends on like your personality. Like when I think about vibe, it's almost like personality, energy level. I would add formality into that. Some people want to be the princess or the queen or whatever. And like some people just want to have a lot of people around them and not really feel like they're the center of attention. There's so many, you know, ways to slice it. Yeah, totally. Formality is a huge piece of what the vibe is, like you said, because, you know, there's a very big difference between casual backyard and black tie, white tie formal, which I'm assuming if you're planning a budget savvy wedding, it's probably not going to be white or black tie. But that's that's just a guess, unless it's a very, very intimate situation, which is possible. And doable. Which is possible. Yeah. Okay, so we've done size, setting, style, vibe. The last of the big five of wedding planning is timeline. Yes. So timeline also has a big impact on your budget. And when I'm talking about timeline, I'm not talking about like your day of order of events. I'm talking about how long from the time you get engaged until the time <gasps> you're having this wedding. Ah, okay. Yes. So Talk about that more. Not to be confused. Obviously, if you're planning a wedding on short notice, like a shorter timeline, there are benefits to that for sure. Like you can get 
um, deals on things. If, you know, vendors or venues have availability that's kind of last minute, they're usually eager to fill those empty dates, especially like a venue more than likely. Um, but some vendors may also be able to accommodate events on like a shorter timeline at a lower rate potentially. So it's always worth checking. But on the flip side, if you have something in your mind that you want, but maybe realistically can't afford in like a typical, what is the typical engagement period, which is about a year, if you can't save up for what you actually want within that timeline, you could have a two-year engagement to give you enough time to save up for the wedding that you actually want if that's important to you. So that's what I mean by timeline in this case. Mind blown. So important. That's so true. And it also, I, I mean, okay, let's throw in the caveat that you might expect that your timeline is going to be a year and then things like a global pandemic happen and your timeline completely changes. <laughs> so we've all definitely, yeah, we've definitely learned that like there's going to be surprises probably for everybody. But having that general idea, if you're torn between locations, it could help you figure out like, oh, well, this one's available. Let's just go with this one. You know, like it, it just actually being clear on the amount of time that you feel like you want to have there. That's very smart. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. So, you know, with all of this in mind, I think the biggest thing that you have to figure out is what your goal is for planning a wedding. Why? Are you throwing a party to celebrate your love, right? Why, and maybe you're not, but why are you choosing to go to the courthouse? Why are you, you know, this could affect your decision to elope, right? This could affect you thinking, you know, maybe we elope now, but then we have a big party later. Yeah. I mean, another way to think about it as well, if goal doesn't resonate, like what is the purpose behind you planning a wedding celebration and not just going and making it legal at the courthouse, you know? Right. Is it because other people do it and you feel like you have to? Yeah. Is it because Grandma Sally has been saying for 20 years, when am I going to get to go to your wedding? But you actually don't know if that's what you want. Like, there's a lot to consider there. Right. Is it truly what the two of you, you and your partner, you and your fiance, what you truly want? Or is it more for other people and what they want? recovering people pleasers of the world like raise your hand no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, oh, so true so I love all these things because they really do help you like start from like the very beginning it, it can feel kind of overwhelming to be like oh where do I start where do I start but if you actually go like okay here's five things I can look at go in write it down I mean if you start there, you'll start to put the pieces together. Another great way to do that is obviously look at all the other weddings that have happened before you and get in, you know, get the inspiration that you want. Somebody might just get inspired by seeing what somebody else did and it could completely change what they think, you know, like what their vision actually really is. We have some really cool resources on the blog that can help you get started. One that I love is using Canva to make like your mood board, your dream board, your vision board. We'll link that in the show notes. It's such a good article to help you get started. And the other option, obviously Pinterest. We also have a guide for using Pinterest to plan your wedding. Some people are on it all the time. Some people are overwhelmed by it. I'm raising my hand. So being able to look at that guide really will help you get started and being able to, you know, source your inspiration. And I think that's like the kind of the coolest part of it. We started this podcast talking about the problems with traditions, right? Where they came from, why they can be difficult for people. 
But the other cool part about it is that so many people have gone through this. So many people have planned their wedding. They've designed, they've found a vision, they found a theme. And so I think really leaning into the fact that there's so many great examples that you can take inspiration from, that you can look at, trying to really separate feeling overwhelmed by what somebody else did and actually just letting it inspire you, letting it help you get closer in touch with the things that are important to you. I think that's really the key. Very well said. That sound means it's time for Wedding Watch. We're introducing a new segment this season where we will watch and chat about some of our favorite wedding moments from TV shows and movies. If you want to hit pause and watch the clip we're talking about today, head to our Wedding Watch playlist on YouTube. The link is in the show notes. So Jess, today the iconic TV moment that we're talking about is Friends. We're focusing on Chandler and Monica's wedding. But when I sat down to do this, I was like, like to rewatch the clip, I was like, wait, there's so much wedding stuff in Friends. Like it starts with Rachel fleeing her wedding or I guess she was stood up. The whole series starts that way. And then Ross gets married like eight times. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so sad that we never get to see Ross and Rachel get married. It's like, it's so mean. It is mean. Give the fans what they want. Give them what they want. But Chandler and Monica's wedding is definitely an iconic TV wedding moment. For me, the thing that cracks me up the most is that like Joey is the efficient. (laughs) He shows up late because he, I guess, came from shooting a movie, a movie. And even though he is a trained actor who's used to like running lines and sticking to a script, he seems to not fully know like what the order of the ceremony is. <laughs> Wait, that's hysterical. I wasn't even thinking about that because that's just how he is the whole series. Like anytime he has to do something actory, he's terrible at it. And he magically made it in time. Magically. Okay. T- the magic of TV, right? It's like, I get it. They need to build the suspense, but like, that's like also what gets me about Ross having the conversation with Chandler, like the older brother conversation with him the day before their wedding. Like if you do anything to harm, I'm going to, but he's like, I'm going to hunt you down and kick your ass. And it's like hysterical. And it's a funny part of the whole episode, but it's like, he would have waited until the day before. Right. I hate when like, and then Chandler freaks out the day of, I don't know, maybe this is like my own anxiety coming out, but I'm like, guys, like this wouldn't happen the day of the wedding. The freak out would have happened before, right? We should be making that decision before everyone's like at the venue. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like very curious to know, I don't know if there's any way we could have reporting or data on this, but like what number of people like this actually happens to? I would say it's probably less common in real life but who knows if anyone knows any different please hit us up dm us on instagram let us know if you know anybody who actually called off their wedding the day of it's so interesting another way they play into that their parents like chandler and monica's parents meet for the first time at the rehearsal dinner is that normal I mean, maybe if your families live in completely different parts of the country or like maybe different countries, countries, period. Um, But I would feel like you should want your families to meet before that. Well, so let's take a minute and talk about the things that we did like about this wedding. Great. So one thing I liked is that they like wrote their own vows. And they're so sweet. 
Very and sweet. then and Chandler's like, I don't need to read the ones that I wrote. I can just he like Ross goes to give him his piece of paper with his vows on it, and he's like, I'm gonna speak from the heart. <laughs> it was very sweet. Another funny part is Ross having to dance with all the kids. And he's trying to like get a date. It's like Monica's coworker is there and he's trying to like impress her. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, they did not have a kid-free wedding. Which I think I'm pretty sure like, you know, Monica and Ross's parents are pretty well off. And so obviously that wedding was funded by the families, mm-hmm. perhaps, and not the couple. Although it's one of those things that like I feel like in TV shows they don't even always talk about the money aspect of the wedding planning. So Yeah, I mean, if they live in that apartment without explanation, they're definitely not going to explain the wedding budget. (laughs) Well, she like inherited it kind of like from a family member, right? Like a grandma or something. Yeah. Rent control, like the magical, mystical. That is Um. not common. (laughs) But then they have like a live band. They've got it all. Yeah. So if we had to rate the savviness of this wedding... (laughs) I think it's pretty low. Sit down dinner, live band. I think, I actually don't know if they mentioned the number of guests ever, but there's at least nine tables. We know that because Ross tries to sit at table six to be with that girl, but he ends up at table nine. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's an eagle eye. You were really watching out. <laughs> I got to do my homework. Yeah. For work, you know, work purposes. <laughs> work purposes. <laughs> so... And then they're in a hotel. They're definitely staying in rooms at the hotel overnight. Give it a rating between like one to 10 savviness. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I haven't come up with one thing that was savvy yet. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Other than they had a friend officiate. So that was like okay, one, one vendor that they didn't have to hire, right? I, mean, I don't think it was like over the top luxury type of wedding. I think it was a traditional standard, like, you know, when you see these average wedding costs from the not.com, like it probably was in like a mid-range wedding. Yeah. And she did get her, I, I think she got her dress. I don't know if she ended up actually getting it, but remember she went to the sample sale. Yeah. Like the <laughs> filing's basement. Like Yeah. And she's like fighting people for the dress. I love that scene where Phoebe's running around being like, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) She has whistles for her and Rachel. (laughs) She did also have her bridesmaids doing like a lot of the work and she was her own coordinator. So. Because she's type A, AF. (laughs) She was a little insane, but she didn't spend money there. So maybe a three. Yeah. I feel good about a three. Okay. This conversation has had me feeling inspired to rewatch the entire series for like a fifth time. And that concludes our weekly wedding watch. Want to hear us chat about one of your favorite scenes? DM us on Instagram and let us know what we need to watch and chat about on future episodes. So now that you're ready to start bringing your wedding vision to life with all of these different tips we've talked about, We will leave you with this. Consider your motivation behind planning your wedding. Remember your values. Stay true to you. Rank your priorities and compare with your partner. And don't forget to make it fun. You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss, 
a podcast brought to you by The Budget Savvy Bride. We would love for you to join us in our free private community to get support and inspiration from other couples currently planning their weddings too. Consider the bouquet tossed in your direction so you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay savvy and stay tuned for our next episode. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.